So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to Love After Lockup, haha, okay. I'm Miss H, and today Mr. O and I will be talking about the finale of Life After Lockup Season 3. This week, Christiana meets up with Tara and confronts John, Michael proposes to Sarah and gets a call from Maria, Chabelle and Quaylen fight over a phone, Amber tries to help Puppy, who refuses to help herself, Destiny gets married while Sean lines up another convict, Andrea fights with her Utah friends, Lacey gives birth and John goes on a date, and Brittany and Marcelino leave Cindy in Alaska. We will finish off the episode with our power rankings. If you like what you hear, please support us by subscribing and leaving a five-star rating or any other constructive comments are welcome. Quick note that we will be back when Love After Lockup premieres their new episodes. In the meantime, check out our other podcast channel, 90 Day MK, Teachable Moments with Miss H and Mr. O, where we are covering the current season of 90 Day Fiance, as well as classic episodes from Before the 90 Days, Season 1. Thanks, stay safe, and enjoy. Step one, step two, step three, step four. Hello, Miss H. Hello, Mr. O. How are things going? Things are going pretty well. I feel like I'm, uh, you know, organizing some things in my life and cleaning house. And I kind of feel like that's what it's like with this season coming to a close. It is. Of course, you just, uh, based on what we talked to, you mean that literally. You're cleaning your oh, house. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I you're was, organizing things yeah. in your house. Right. Not, it's not even a metaphorical way of going. <laughs> no, no. I meant like I was spring cleaning. <laughs> yes. But you're right. Cleaning house. That's what we're doing in this episode. I feel like... I feel, some of them are coming back. Like we know some of them are coming oh, back, but I think we're done with a lot of these people. Yeah. You, there are some people that it's just their storyline is so played out. I get it. It's dramatic, but it's just like, but it's the same thing over and over again. Like Michael and Sarah. Yeah. So let's start with Michael and Sarah then. All right. So as we remember, we ended this segment with like the cliffhanger from last week. Malcolm had asked Sarah if she was sleeping with Michael. This week, she opens and she tries to dodge the question by being dumb and answering whether they sleep in the same bed before saying, that's none of your business. Malcolm cuts to the chase and asks, why did you call him? Did you call him here? She says that she called him there um, to say that she enjoys kicking it with him, but she's not really looking for a relationship. I don't, I don't know. It just seemed like she kind of called him back so she could be the one to dump him after he dumped, instead of him dumping her. In an interview, she said that, He said that he's getting the vibe, but she's totally sleeping with Michael and says that if the shoe were on the other foot, Sarah would not want to continue a relationship with somebody who's sleeping with somebody else. And so neither does he. Then she asked him if he'd be, you know, up for having a no strings, no commitment type thing. And he's like, no, he says he just wants to remove himself from the situation entirely. Sarah's bummed that they could have had some fun and, you know, they have this open thing with Michael. So she says isn't really fair to anybody. She knows that Michael will come back on, come back at some point, but the problem is she has no idea when this is going to be. So we flip over to Michael's date. His date, uh, Sasha, asks him what his plans are after they leave the restaurant, and he says he's not eager to do much since he's dealing with things. She tries to convince him to do some more stuff with a kiss, but Michael actually turns her down, saying that his head isn't in the right place right now, and he's trying to figure some things out with Sarah and the family structure. But they still make out for a little while on the street anyway. A little while after that, Michael surprises Sarah by 
popping up back in Rochester. He says he misses the family and calls her and says they should go get some ice cream. Sarah is happy that he kept his word this time and came back, which gives her hope that he won't always let his daughters down. While they're eating ice cream, Michael tries to get a little deeper with Sarah. He says he misses the way she feels and thinks that right now they're in the place that he was hoping to be in forever. At this point, a ring appears from nowhere, and Michael proposes to his wife because he wants to redo it. He said he's dead-ass serious that this is what he wants. He admits he's been a dog in the past, but he's ready to make his family work with her. Sarah is clearly flattered and can't stop smiling and giggling about it. In an interview, she's a little more composed and says, you know, I don't know about this, you know, but at the ice cream shop, she puts on the ring. She says that she appreciates the gesture in the ring, but he does not have an answer from her yet. But it seems like she's leaning one way because she says, you know, they know each other like no one, like no one else knows each other and he always has his, her back, but she's not sure that he's really changed. However, we leave on a kind of a different note. As they're driving back somewhere in different cars, Michael gets a call from Maria from last season who just asks, where have you been? And that's kind of where it ends. Until the title card tells us at the end, after everything's over, that Michael is now back in Miami living with Maria. Uh. So I was going to ask, my question up until the title card came up was be like, how long do you think this is going to last? But we have our answer to that already. So I guess my my question is, how surprised are you it didn't even last until they could finish producing the show? I know, right? I think they even kind of implied that Michael left like the next week. And yeah. it was probably to go to Miami, but I'm actually a little surprised he is back with Maria because I felt like they had some like uh, drama, like law related drama. And it just seems Correct. to me as someone who has a record, you would want to avoid that, right? There are other women that he could choose to be with that are drama, but not the kind that are necessarily going to land him in prison. Right. I mean, I just can't get over a a repeated thing of Michael and Michael and Michael is his like, oh, wow, that lady was crazy. I don't like her. That was bad news. And then like two months later, it's like, yeah, but maybe I'll just slide right back in there. Like when he came out and he was like, what's over with Maria? He was, he was like, Maria got the cops called on us. He's like, I can't be with somebody who's going to get the cops called on me. And like, it didn't even seem like he liked her very much. And he definitely hadn't talked to her. I don't understand. It was, it was so weird. I don't get him at all either. I feel like he really wants to be a certain kind of person But when it really comes down to it, he isn't that person. And I don't get why Sarah doesn't get that, too. It's like, how many times can one person let you down before you stop believing them? Yeah, I mean, he's he seems to be like he wants to believe himself at the end of the day that he can be a family man. He can be a good person, but he just keeps changing his mind about who he wants to do that with. Like, and it's always it's never going to be the person he's with. Like, he's just going to keep bouncing back and forth between people. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so the other thing that just really annoyed me during their segments is Sarah and Malcolm. Like, Sarah is so pathetic in this scene. How she's just trying to get Malcolm to be a booty call is just like, how desperate are you? It is. But it's like, 
you know, we know from last time he wants, he wants her to be a booty call, but he apparently is, isn't as good and bad as Michael is. So it isn't even about like that. It's about if Michael can get other women, I need to be, I know I just want to be able to get other men. Like he's a weird pawn in this game. And he saw, I mean, he saw right through that. He knew exactly what was going on. And so like, I can't blame her, but yeah, it was really, really sad. It was, it was sad. Just kind of like, well, maybe we could just do this. Well, how about just this? And And then she's all like, oh, well, he's missing out. Like, we could have had, you know, a little fun. It's like, is he missing out? He doesn't want to be tied to your drama anymore. He's made that pretty clear. Right. It's like, okay, you're, you're, you, yeah, he wants something with no strings, but Sarah is just wrapped up in strings everywhere. There's just strings surrounding that girl everywhere she goes. (laughs) Like, you've got to deal with, there's kids to deal with, there's a, a rando ex-boy, ex-boyfriend, ex-husband that's hanging around doing stuff. Like, it's just like, man, I don't want it. If I wanted no string situation, I would pick one that had way less drama than this. Yeah. And I kind of feel like it's also odd to me that she's trying to plan out a booty call. Like, I thought the whole purpose of the booty call was that you just call someone up. Like, whatever. It's not like you're like, hey, listen, we're going to have a thing. You're just gonna be my random booty call. It, it well, it's uh, it's different than a random booty call. She wants more of a, a a I guess it I guess it changes then from being that to being a friends with benefits situation where it's yeah. kind of like I want to explain that we will hook up from time to time, but it will never progress beyond that, and it will just be fun. And let's like if you're on the same page, and we will do that. And it's just you know a way of being clear, but like you know setting the expectations for people because you know sometimes booty calls can get a little complicated when somebody thinks it's more than what it is. Yeah, but I kind of feel even with friends with benefits, like all of those things, I feel like the the foundation of those kinds of relationships is that you never sit there and define the relationship. <laughs> <laughs> that, like, I mean, that's the reason why, you know, you get these kinds of misunderstandings and, you know, oh, we're yes. just having fun because you're not having those serious conversations with the other person to like kind of check in and see where you all are at. But I mean, it's possible. Isn't it possible to do that and have a serious conversation and both of you be in the same place of, hey, yeah, I don't want to go. I don't want to do anything else but this. And you're like, yeah, neither do I. This works for us. I feel like you could have yeah, that conversation. But I also feel like this is not it. Uh, I feel like. You know, if they had broken up over other circumstances, having nothing to do with someone else, and if that someone else wasn't still kind of in the picture, then yeah, maybe they could have kind of a friends with benefits thing. It's like the exes that just continue to hook up. But uh, I don't know. It's just dangerous territory because I kind of feel like, you know, if exes are still hooking up, it's more likely than not that one of the two wants something more and they're just not saying anything because they're afraid of losing what they have. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if I, I was saying, put myself in Malcolm's shoes. Like, this is not – there's no way. She can't – like, she's hung up on Michael. And, like, there's, you're never going to have a situ, the, situ, the fun, no-string situation you, she says she wants if she's hung up on anybody. Either, yeah. you know, the person she's hooking up with or somebody else. So it just won't work. Right. Okay. Well, our other family, we have uh, Brittany and Marcelino. So Brittany and Marcelino are still in Alaska. 
They finally have a chance to talk, just the two of them, and Marcelino talks to Brittany about how he's felt neglected since Brittany has started to focus on her mom. Brittany tells Marcelino that she does appreciate him. She tells him that she is fighting hard because she wishes someone had fought hard for her when she was in the middle of her addiction. Marcelino says that Cindy's a grown-ass woman, and he wonders if the progress they're seeing is just because there isn't any alcohol around. Marcelino thinks there needs to be a plan, and Brittany says that the new plan will be to convince her mom to do an inpatient treatment program, and if she refuses, then she will walk away. Later, Brittany ambushes Cindy and says they're going to go see an advisor. Cindy wonders if Brittany plots all this stuff when she's sleeping. Brittany brings up the possibility of an inpatient treatment, but Cindy says no. She doesn't want to be locked up, and she would be open to an outpatient treatment. They meet with Carl, an addiction counselor. Cindy admits to liking her pills, but also says she feels like she's drowning. Her body and her mind are just tired. Brittany is surprised to hear her mom admit that she is addicted to pills, and she has a flash of hope that this is the first step towards recovery. Later, Cynthia tells Brittany that she will not go back to Vegas with them later that night. Cynthia says she felt a calm when she was visiting the facility, and she says that she'll be staying in an inpatient treatment for a few months. Brittany is excited and encouraged to see Cindy wanting to help herself. Cindy thanks Brittany for fighting hard for her and calls her her hero. Later, they are packing up, ready to say their goodbyes to Grandpa Gil and his girlfriend Stephanie. Gil goes in for a hug with Cindy, but then Cindy just puts up her hand to say she has an announcement. And she tells the whole family at that weird moment that she is staying to do inpatient treatment. Marcelino looks shocked and hugs her to congratulate her. Marcelino has a healthy skepticism and says he needs to see that she's walking the walk before Cindy finds herself in his good graces once again. Marcelino is reluctant to admit that maybe this Alaska trip was good and productive. Brittany and Marcelino drive off, leaving Cindy with Gil and Stephanie. We find out that Cindy didn't quite complete rehab and she's back in Vegas. Brittany now wants to pursue a career in counseling. All right, so I feel like the second half of the season has definitely been all about Cindy, but I was a mm-hmm. little concerned by, you know, Brittany and Marcelino's conversation because it just sounds like there is some growing resentment there um, of sure. Brittany, like neglecting the family and not like in a malicious way, but just not focusing on, you know, her family and her dependence and rather focusing completely on her mom. And, yeah. you know, it does make me wonder, do you think that Brittany and Marcelina are going to make it? Um, That's a, that's an interesting question because it was similar to a dynamic of somebody who's like over-involved at work, right? Mm-hmm. You're focusing on your career and she's like, but this is how I provide for the family. You know, that kind of same dynamic of, but you're never here for the family. Like what's going yeah. on? So, I mean, I I hate to say it, but it, it heavily depends on how much she's willing to, you know, how serious she is about being willing to cut Cynthia out when she yeah. keeps relapsing, right? Because I don't think, I don't think they can stay together if Cynthia is always going to be there and always be an issue and always be a thing. He's not going to keep putting up with it. It's just it, – it, it's not – not that it needs to be about him specifically, right. but it's like I, I'm I'm not here as your second fiddle. We're supposed to be a partnership. I'm not here just to support you so you can go do these other things and especially if it's other things that um, I just see dragging you down. 
and just drag yeah. you down. I can't watch. I can't stay and watch that either. Well, the other thing, yeah, that I thought was a concerning sign is, remember, Marcelino has been saying that he's a poker player this entire time, right? Sure. I think this episode oh. was the first one where it just said that he was like a stay-at-home dad. Stay-at-home dad. And I mean, I yeah. don't want to say just stay-at-home dad, but it kind of seems like, all right, so he's taking care of the kids full time. You know, you get that impression. And, you know, I feel like you're going to be resentful because it's like Brittany's not making money off of helping her mom. So it's like, what are you doing if you're not contributing to, like, our family, our household, That's but true. you're just worried about your mom, who you, quite honestly, and Marcelino said it so many times this season, she's a grown-ass woman. You cannot control her. Yeah, it is. It is true. It's like, it's it. she's not your responsibility at the end of the yeah. day. She, she just isn't. Um, and But your children and your family are your responsibility. They are, so it's yeah. like, <laughs> so... I get I, I totally see where he's coming from that it's like especially you're right because he's you're right officially stay at home dad he said that I mean he said that mm-hmm. when they were having a conversation I've been doing all the work in the house while you're been yeah. while you've been doing this I've been doing it all and it, it, you're right at the end of it think segment it said he's a stay at home dad and that's what Brittany's working on being a counselor yeah and it just it it, it won't work if there's something outside of the family outside of your responsibilities. You know, it's the, it it because it, it comes down to the oxygen mask thing, right? You got to mm. you got to put your mask on before you put before you can help somebody else with theirs. Right, right. Yeah, I like them as a couple. Um, and like I said, it's not that she's being malicious in a way that you know she's just neglecting her family because she's being selfish. She's not being selfish, but at the same time, you know, it must be incredibly frustrating to be her partner and. Yeah you know, not feel like you're in a partnership. And I'll, I'll give Marcelino a lot of credit for the way he brings that up. Like it doesn't yeah. come out as resentment. It doesn't come out as him like, you know, holding things and then snipping at her or, or yelling or hollering mm-hmm. like we see freaking everybody else do on this show, <laughs> yeah. right? He, he's just very calm, very direct. Here's what I'm thinking. Serious conversations, not like, mm-hmm. you know, little snipey comments or anything. Well, Sometimes it's that, but most of the time it's not. This time it wasn't. This time it wasn't. (laughs) He's like, he tries to be a little jokester, you know, but he tries to make it kind of lighthearted. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to Lacey and Shane and John and Sean and whatever. So John is riding around town with his buddy Joe talking things out. And he says he's been feeling really tempted today and he's on his way to the methadone clinic which he says is his savior, especially with all this drama with Lacey, who's always been a, been a trigger for him in, in terms of using. Then we kind of switch back and forth a lot of times. We switch over to Lacey, who's reading John's you know letter that she got in the mail. She says that it fits into his behavior, and she hopes that he gets help as she throws a letter in the garbage and says that they are completely done. Back with John... Um, we see him, uh, you know, having some trouble with the methadone. He has to stop an uh, interview to get uh, because he's feeling sick. And then we come back to new husband Shane, who's painting a pink accent wall in the baby nursery. I don't know. Thank you. They're trying to draw some contrast. I'm not exactly sure what they were doing. But anyway, in the next segment, we see Lacey in the hospital um, following her labor and delivery. She's telling us that there were complications with the birth, that the epidural resulted in a a huge headache headache due to an air bubble that was kind of moving its way up to her brain and could potentially cause an aneurysm. So thankfully, um, things ended up, everything ended up fine. 
she ended up okay, and the baby ended up healthy. Um, the baby was a baby girl named Summer Rain. We see lots of shots of Shane holding and hugging the baby, and in an interview segment where Shane is, you know, understanding and shouldering, trying to shoulder the responsibility because Lacey had such a hard time. He's because the whole, well, you did it for nine months, and now it's my turn. They're both excited for the future together with Summer as they bring her home from the hospital. Later, John is trying to move on, and we see him arriving for his first date in a long time with Julie, who is somebody that his buddy Joe set him up with. They have a lot of the standard first date type conversations like, what's up with work? What are you looking for here? Whatever, whatever. John says that things are starting to look up in his life because the business is going well, and there's a lot of people out there looking out for him. And he credits everything going well with his dropping of Lacey. All right, so... Based on the way things ended here, are we going to see these people again? I don't know. I think uh, maybe if there's some kind of drama with uh, Shane and Lacey, just not with them necessarily, but like Shane raising a child, you know, and like okay. kind of trying to hold it down as someone who is a really young dad. If we, I think we kind of forget oh, he's that. Super he is. He's like 22 really or something, dad. right? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that would be interesting, potentially. Uh, but I don't know if we'll see John again, unless there's some kind of drama with John and this other girl. And quite honestly, like, I, I really want good things for John, you know? So it's like, yeah, let's leave totally. John out of this. Like, let's, you know, let him leave a drama-free life, get on with it. Because when they were doing those montage of you know, Lacey and being toxic and just even her behavior, like the first time we saw her, I was like, oh my gosh, I completely forgot that she's a totally, completely terrible person. <laughs> and I think you forget it because this entire season she's been pregnant. So she's been kind of just like very laid back, you know, just trying to be like, oh, you know, just growing this kid, you know, everything's cool. Like she's not trying to start a fight while pregnant, yeah. you know? It's true. It's true. She, it's, it's the first time we've seen her where she isn't like playing two people off of each other. Right? Yes, that she too. really does cut John off and it, she's done with him. And so like, mm -hmm. I, that's where I feel like is I feel like they had to for the second half, second half of the season, they had to like stick with John doing stuff because like Shane and Lacey weren't giving him any drama. Yeah. Like Shane was just being a good dad and asking the – I mean and the funny part about it is you say he's young. He is still like a big dopey dad. Like, oh, with the kids yeah, yeah, are like, sure. how was school? Nobody's being mean to you, are they? <laughs> like, he's, like, already kind of fit into that role with, with Lacey's other children. So, like, I just yeah. – it just seems like there wasn't a lot going on either way. And it definitely seems like they kind of put a bow on what they were doing with, the, with, these, with these folks. Yeah, that's true. So what did you think of Julie? I mean – she wasn't totally unlike Lacey. Like, he definitely has a guy. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So I kind of <laughs> worry a little bit that maybe she is going to be drama. But I was going to say, um, uh, the guy who set her up with, it wasn't it, it like his uh, his roommate or something? Oh, yeah. And I remember yeah. him saying something at the very beginning of the season. Like, oh, I have this really great girl I want to hook you up with. She's, she's right. a good, solid girl. And I, I can see that because what what I mean I could see there the look looks wise is what I said she has a type right there definitely was yeah, there right but I don't yeah but I think yeah if it's a friend hooking him up then I gotta be like think the friend is like listen this girl is way less drama than than, than the other girl like you're much better off yeah. with her 
Yeah, there wasn't anything about her other than the look, right? Like, when I saw them, I was like, yeah, I could see them being attracted to one another. They seem like each other's type. Sure, sure. I mean, well, there wasn't a whole lot we got out of her. Like I said, it was like, it it was very much just like the first kind of date. So, yeah, how's work going? Like, what do you do again? Oh, yeah, I do this. Okay, so Lacey's lips got ginormous in the hospital. It was almost like she's like, oh, I'm going to pop this baby out. I guess it's safe <laughs> for me to get hey, listen, lip injections. I, yeah, I have, the, I have the epidural already. The baby's out. Let's yep. just do it right now. Just I'm already here. Let's do more. At the same time. <laughs> yeah, it was out of control. And then she also had like those big fake lashes. She kind of looked like that Muppet. The blonde one. Oh, with the big I know lips. what you're talking about. The, 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 the one, one in Animals one the, the Band. One. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who does that, like just just eyelashes and like no eyes? Yes. Right. I mean, I don't know. I, I know those two things are in right now. Like they're trending. Everybody's trying to get bigger lips and bigger lashes. Do guys actually like that look? Ah, uh, I don't think so. Like I don't like I don't like the big the big lashes because they're. I mean, and I mean, they're so obviously fake. Right. There's nobody. Okay, like, sure. all, they're like they get them to the point and the lips that too. like these are so big they couldn't possibly be natural. And that's what you're going for. That's what you're going for. I don't care. But I'm always afraid they're going to like come off. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't want that. I just yeah. leave these things on. Especially like I don't understand. I guess I don't understand like printing yourself up to go have the baby. Like it's like that's that's going to be like ugly no matter how you slice it. Like that's. Don't don't try. <laughs> yeah, but maybe there's like different levels of ugly, right? Because I I know my sister when she uh, had my niece, she did not want her picture taken at all in the hospital. So oh, yeah, she I get really that. doesn't oh, yeah. have any pictures of her and you know uh, her. Yeah, newborn, I mean that's what I'm really. saying. No matter how hard you try to make yourself look cute, you will not look cute. <laughs> like you won't. And that's sometimes that's okay. Like you take your uncute pictures because you just pushed a person out of you, and that's okay know, right? to not look cute then. But, like, you're not – it's not going to look cute when you're done. Yeah. So Well, speaking of looking it. cute, uh, Andrea is getting all glammed up for her birthday party. She's having a traditional African birthday party, and she is excited to put on this show for her family and Utah friends. The kids, on the other hand, are stressed out because they feel this immense pressure to make everything perfect for their mom. Lamar is proud to be able to introduce his daughter, Shantae, to all of Andrea's friends and family. Andrea makes an entrance by saying that the African queen is there. Andrea's friend Michelle warns her that the other two friends, Carrie and Stephanie, plan on confronting her about how she's dressed. Andrea says she likes to show off her body. Shortly after, Carrie tries to express concern over her not wearing her garments. Andrea tries to deflect by saying she's doing great things like bringing food to families in need. Her point is that it's the service and acts of God that matter. Andrea says she has had to teach her kids not to gangbang. Carrie says that those problems are everywhere. Andrea says that if she thinks it's the same, they are delusional. She asks if she fears walking to her mailbox, and Carrie says she does. And Andrea just flips out and doesn't even let her finish, calling her disrespectful. Carrie... Uh, away from Andrea, finishes that she's scared to go to her mailbox because she's out of shape, it's a whole mile away, and she could get run over by a car. The kids look on while eating cupcakes casually, and Lamar just silently looks on with embarrassment as Andrea cries to Stephanie, defending her problems. 
Carrie says she wasn't trying to be disrespectful, but Carrie just wants her to realize that she's not the only person with problems. Michelle thinks that Carrie should just apologize because Carrie is living in a bubble. Carrie then goes back to Andrea, cries and apologizes and tries to get a hug from her. Andrea admits she didn't realize she was in a bubble until she actually left Utah, and she says that she wouldn't move back. The kids say in an interview that a bunch of white Mormon women trying to judge and give advice just isn't going to work out in this situation. Andrea says that she is afraid of judgment, which is why she didn't show them the house the night before. After dinner, Andrea makes the announcement that they will be doing a family mission in Ghana. Lamar says he never pictured this for his life out of prison. Nyla is excited to go and meet the extended family. All right, so most of the drama was between Andrea and her white Mormon friend, Carrie. Yeah. Uh, who would you side with in this little argument that they had here? Uh, they team were Carrie both or Andrea? really bad. I mean, it's probably Team Andrea. As much as I hate to say that, like in terms of everything yeah. that's going on, because and, and the other friend, the uh, I forget what her name, Michelle, I think it was. Michelle um, is her black Mormon. The black Mormon friend. friend. I actually don't even know if she's Mormon. Well, the, but the black friend Utah. from Utah. Yeah, the black, yeah. the black friend from Utah. She was, she was very good because she was, she, she was just like, oh, Carrie lives in a total bubble. She has no idea what's going on yeah. outside of where she is. But let's like, be real here, Andrea did too. Yes, and I have some issues with what Andrea was saying, like, yeah, big time. Like, um, yes. first of all, like, afraid going to the mailbox is <laughs> go- doing a bit much. <laughs> like, that's well, a little overdramatic as is. Carrie's reason for being afraid of the mailbox, I was just like, oh, my God, what is happening here? I mean, this is okay, the so dumbest it seemed, fight. It, so, okay, so it seemed to me, at least the way I kind of parsed it, was she said, are you afraid going to the mailbox? And Carrie was trying to make a joke about, I am afraid to go to my mailbox. I might have a goddamn heart attack on the way. Jeez, right? <laughs> She's like, I'm um, out of shape. <laughs> yeah. And a car could hit me. But I feel like she yeah. may have started off a joke and then kind of doubled and down then, on it. And then doubled down on it because Andrea was like, as soon as she was like, I am afraid going to the mailbox, she was like, bullshit. Like it was like, you know, she didn't even let yeah. her finish the punchline of a joke and was already screaming at her. And it's like, it was mm. a punchline. But, okay, so this is the part that bothers me about Andrea the most. And I'll put it in a different set of shoes. I'm going to put it if it was one of, let's say it was, let's say it was Carrie, right? Say it was one of her friends. Looked at Mm -hmm. Andrea's two children, knowing them, how sweet and, like, smart both of them are. And said, like, you know what? Your biggest responsibility is to keep them out of gangs, I'd be like, why? What about them makes you think they would be in a gang? I can only think of one (laughs) thing you might one characteristic characteristic about them that might make you think they'd be in a gang. Like if it was if it was somebody that said it. So it gets ridiculous that Andrea was like, I have to work so hard to keep my kids out of gangs. Like Tennyson is yeah. not joining a gang. Yeah. I uh, I think the thing that I struggle with is that Andrea could have just handled this. And like with everything, with yeah. so much more like empathy and grace, you know, like yes. she could have said, hey, listen, I know that. You think it's a certain way because I thought that too when I was in Utah and then I moved out to California and I realized like just, you know, my eyes were opened to the fact that things are really difficult here because there's all these factors that you don't think about and you take for granted when you're in Utah, right? So she could have like posed it that way and still of 
freaking out on her friend, calling her disrespectful, cutting her off, not letting her talk. And it's just like very typical Andrea. Like, I wonder why does she have friends to begin with at all? Uh, I don't know. I can't. I don't even. I don't know why. Why? Why? Why that woman would come back and be like, "Oh, I forgive. Let's apologize and let's be friends." And can I give you a hug? What? What is that? She's like, "I won't hug you back. You can hug me, but I won't hug you back." Like, I know. I, she's just. Uh, she's a terrible person. I mean, I, mean I, I. I can't imagine being like, "Hey, let's make up and try to give people. Well, you can. You can hug me, but I won't hug you back." I'd be like, "All right, peace out. Like, I'll go home now. Yeah, like, I'll, I'll catch the next flight out. I'm done. We're not. I'll, why would you be friends with that person? It doesn't make any sense." Right. But then that kind of makes me wonder a little bit. It's like, I feel like people who are desperate for friends maybe are attracted to other people who are desperate for friends because, you know, normal people wouldn't deal with that. Right. Right. Like, okay. So (laughs) going back, we're changing tracks a little bit. So the food came out. And Andrea uh-huh. described herself with four words. Elegance, oh, luxurious, <laughs> spiritual, and vegan. <laughs> like, I didn't even know she all, was vegan. This is the first I'm hearing about it. And is that how how many I'm, – I'm amazed because like, you know how vegans are. It's always the joke. You know, you don't have to ask somebody if yeah. they're vegan. They'll tell you, right? But like, oh, yeah, right. the first time I've heard she's vegan and uh, with all the like moralizing she does, you'd think that would have come out way before now. Yes, absolutely. I don't know. I I call shenanigans on it. I I swear there's probably footage of her eating cheese somewhere. Oh yeah. She's def She definitely strikes me as one of those people. It's like it's vegan cheese and it's like there's it's not vegan. There's no vegan cheese, Andrea. That's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All right. All right. Let's go. All right, let's let's just go to the other shouting match, why don't we? All right. So this is Chevelle and Quaylon, or Quaylon as he calls himself at the end. Anyway, the fight that started last week is continuing again this week. Quaylon says, you know, that Chevelle isn't making him happy, and this really triggers Chevelle into some loud shouting about how she gave her all, and she was there when no one else was. She leaves the house in frustration, so they continue their shouting match outside. When it, they kind of go back and forth. Whenever one of them tries to walk away, the other one follows them and yells at them in this weird cycle of screaming. Then Quaylen gets into his truck to, I don't know, I guess drive away, but he can't because Chevelle is standing outside yelling that she, you have my phone, you need to give me my phone. And so eventually he does get out of the truck, pushes past her, and gives her her phone back by spiking it on the sidewalk as hard as he can. <laughs> it's at this point that the cops pull up. The police first want to talk to Chevelle, who has gotten to her car and is just locked in. With the producer's help, they she starts to talk. And she says she's okay and she just wants to go home. Side note, which I was confused about because I thought they were home. Yeah, I have no idea. But then, they, they, but then the, the, the police say they saw her phone getting smashed and that um, their protocols won't let them ignore that. If she won't talk to them, they'll have to arrest him for smashing the phone. Chevelle says she didn't, he didn't do anything and it doesn't matter what, that he smashed the phone. The police tell her that she needs to get out of the car so they can figure things out. Otherwise, they'll be arresting Quaylen. When Chevelle does get out of the car, KCPD asks production to stop filming so we don't see exactly what happens. But we do hear that they were convinced that Chevelle was safe and was not going to press charges so Quaylen did not get arrested. After that, the production is filming Quaylen, who's very frustrated that the cops showed up for something he considered so minor. 
He says that both of them had been faking to make the relationship work, and as a result, it wasn't an authentic relationship. While he's saying this, Chevelle comes out of nowhere to interrupt the production interview. He calls her stupid as fuck and says it's a wrap, and then he tries to walk away, and Chevelle's walking behind him and yelling, and they're incoherently yelling at each other for a while before she kind of shoves him a little bit. It looks like the producers or somebody at this point steps in and gets them separated. So it looks like the fight is over. Quaylen says that everything is either a blessing or a lesson, and maybe his mom was right and he shouldn't have come back for this relationship. Maybe, you think? Anyway, he says he loves Maila and wants, wants to do right and be there for her. But if Chevelle cuts him out, and he'll just have to deal with that. Chevelle is very mad and is still ranting at the producers. She advises that no woman should date a man in jail because, they're, because all they do is use you, and they'll, they're just going to be taking advantage of you. She screams about how she knows God is going to get him for what he did to her and how she's totally done. Anyway, the title card at the end says that they are speaking again, and it seems, though, as if they're just speaking so that Quaylen can stay in touch with Myela. Which, why? I mean, he, I, I, he just does seem to care for the kid. Yeah, like, but I feel like you don't get that right. You know, that's not your kid. Like, just oh, yeah, yeah. leave. You're going to totally. confuse everything. Every, oh, it, yeah, it's not it, – it was a bad situation to bring, the, to, bring to the kid. But so yeah. what – I couldn't figure out what specifically was it about what Quaylen was saying that just set Chevelle off, like, completely off, like, off the chain, uncontrolled. Like, what specific, What was it? I couldn't understand what he did that made her upset. Yes, that upset? I don't know. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. Like, one, I think that she just didn't like kind of being called out. Like, she was a hypocrite. And then also, I think, like, for some someone who does things like this, like, you know, gives gives things and does things for other people to be so unappreciative of that. And I feel like that's what it came off. I've been unhappy this entire time. So you haven't appreciated a single thing that I've done for you or I've bought you. How could you, you know, let me do all these things for you if you were so unhappy the whole time? Oh, because now you're going to make me feel used and like uh, replaceable. And... You know, and like that I'm the bad person. But I do think Chevelle was overreacting. Like she had a crazy reaction. But I think it's just her realizing that it's over and she spent all this time and money mm-hmm. on this person. And she really, th- I mean, she is so dead convinced that she was going to marry this person. Like even yes. when they were broken up, it's just like how you told your family how you would never get back together again with him. How do you go from that to, oh, we're engaged? Yes, back to, oh, no, he's dead and uh, God's going to get him. Like, it, in, yeah. like, such a quick, like, time frame. It just, it's, it's, it, it, and that, that's what I'm talking about from Ayla. That, in, that unsta- instability is there, whether Quaylen's there or not. Like, that's, that, that's dealing with, because she's going to have to deal with the mom who go, who goes from those extremes that quick. Yeah, which is scary. So at one point, uh, Quaylen says something about getting a blank pick and they bleeped it out. But if you were watching the captions, I was like, okay. wait, she got a dick pick? Because that's what it made <laughs> it seem like. Like, I mean, she, I mean, Quaylen definitely sounds seems like the kind of guy that would send a dick pick. 
Um, especially no, I mean she. I, I think oh, she he got a dick pic was from saying she got else. a dick pic from Jay. Oh, interesting. And well, I was I like, know, wait a second, that's not what was kind we, of portrayed. I say we don't know. You know from personal experience that that doesn't oh, mean she was soliciting the dick pics oh, or no, wanted I it know. at all. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that could have been what well, just that could have been just a free bonus random one. Yeah. I was also super yeah. frustrated with Chevelle for a couple other things. One thing is that when she was going through her like crazy meltdown, how she said, how could he do this? I'm out here struggling. And, you know, and she said, you know, like, you know, I'm getting you all these things and I'm out here struggling. It's like, uh, that seems like a choice. That's a, yeah, that's a you problem, not a him problem. Yeah, yeah. that's a you problem. You chose to support this guy financially and buy him these extravagant gifts like the truck that he's driving away with, you mm-hmm. know, but he, and, you know, you keep on telling everyone he never asked you to, uh, for those things. So yeah. why are you being so generous if you're really out there struggling? That makes no damn sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think part of it, and I, I, I definitely think a, a huge part of what was going on there is she has this, and I think Quaylen knows it too, she has this feeling of superiority over him. But I'm better than yeah. you. I bought you all this stuff. How can you be breaking up with me? No, no, no. I'm yeah. in the control of this situation, and you don't get to make those decisions. That said, smashing the phone sucked. Like, that was yeah. that was ridiculous. And, and to the point where we, at that point in that – watching that fight i was a little nervous that he was that something was going to happen something bad was going to happen right the way he kind of pushed past her and then slammed it roll up like so quickly like it felt like they were lurking around the corner it it seemed like they were on their way because when the police got there they said we saw him smash the phone yeah like we observed that so i don't know obviously i mean it doesn't take very long you do not have to be outside screaming at each other like that for very long before somebody's going to call the cops. It, it 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 doesn't last. And they were out there. I, that that fight had to last for hours. They had I to be out say, there. I was going to say, her disrespect towards the police, it really just made me so uncomfortable. It's like, they're not are trying to arrest you. Just answer their questions. I don't understand why you're going to well, throw out attitude. As oh, bad I, as I, I get it. I get it. For the same reason, I mean, Quaylen was has enough experience with the law that he knows mm-hmm. not to throw out that he doesn't throw out the attitude. Not right or wrong. I, I, I always couch that attitude toward the police should is not a punishable crime. Right. Mm-hmm. But but like not cooperating with the police is. And I felt like that's like her attitude was basically her not cooperating with them. But she was not cooperating because she was like, it's dumb that you're here. Why? The, why are you here? You shouldn't be here. I didn't call you. Like, well, and, 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 like three questions. And, then and I get be that done. when you're like, and I totally get if you're, yeah, you're feeling like you, everything was going fine. And now the police are here. So now it's a life and death situation. You guys didn't have to be here for this. And mm-hmm. so I get being upset about it. Right. And Quaylen was like, they thought the same thing. Why are they here? And it's like, because it did sound like somebody was going to get hit. Like it really did. Yeah. Well, they were in each other's face. Yeah. Like it, it, it sounded like anything could have gone down at any moment. So I don't, I, you know, I don't like calling. That's one of those situations that I wish we had somebody to call that wasn't the police to come and calm those situations down. Community counselors. Yeah, that's those are the things when people talk about like the police do too much. Like 
Mm-hmm. The police aren't counselors, right? And that's right. the kind of thing or that- mediators you know, that's of any kind, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's when I wish there was somebody else to call. Okay, so uh, what is going on with Chevelle's outfit and just fashion choices? What it was that? It was like a spandex, like, unitard thing. That but it was, was like with bell bottoms sleeves. on the bottom. It looked like- It had ruffles like on the it, bottom, Yeah. It looked like uh, what a man would wear um, for, like, ice capades. Yes. It did look like a old-timey. Not even what they would wear these days. No, like, what they would wear in, like, the old times. Like, it's not aerodynamic at all. Well, I mean, for, for speed skating and stuff, yes. But I'm talking about the guys, like, yes. Ice I dancing. almost like the ice dancing. Like, I'm imagining mm-hmm. somebody would wear that on the bottom. And then, like, the Carmen Miranda, like, fruit basket head on their head as they're ice skating around. <laughs> it was just, it, I don't know, were there sequins on it? There was a lot of, like, colors. There was a lot going ombre. on, a lot of colors. It was. Okay. At the end of the day, you do you when it comes to fashion. And the only thing I really judge is, does it, is it flattering? You know, like, you can fit? wear something super obnoxious. <laughs> as long as it's flattering, I could be like, yeah, okay. You know, but it wasn't. Yeah, it was it was accentuating some things she probably didn't want accentuated. That's it sure. made her look that's like a true. football player. It, like okay, if a football so, player was wearing a figure skating outfit, that's what it kind of looked like. Part of the reason that's like one of my like things is that is thinking about that, thinking about when I put something on, right? Thinking about what if I have to go to the hospital in this? Like, you know, <laughs> it's, like, it's like you're gonna be having to talk oh, to the police well. in the thing wearing this get up. Like, oh, maybe maybe I'll tone it down a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely a choice. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, if she's choosing it, she probably thinks it looks good. She'd be like, yeah, bury me in this thing. It's all good. Well, I definitely wouldn't want to. If you go to the hospital, they're just cutting They're cutting it off immediately. It's just getting, <laughs> it's just getting cut right off. Not, they're not going to deal with that. Oh, one could hope. All right. <laughs> so uh, let's talk uh, Sean and Destiny. So Destiny's Ooh. mom is waiting outside the courthouse, implying that something could be wrong. But instead, Destiny walks out with a muscular man and a bouquet of flowers. It ends up that Destiny got married at the courthouse with a guy named Jason. Destiny says that Jason is truthful and treats her so well. Jason tells us that there's a lot of meaning in their relationship. Destiny's mom is happy that Destiny and Jason are just close in age. And she hopes that it works out, but she did kind of seem a little unsure about it. Destiny doesn't plan on telling Sean about the marriage because she's hoping to scam as much money as she can out of him. She doesn't feel bad about it either because she thinks that she deserves it after all the hell Sean put her through. Sean is getting all kinds of calls from prison. The first call is from Destiny, who is trying to get Sean to once again send her money. She says she's freaking out because she's back in prison and she has one and a half years left. Sean is thankful to be off the hook for the bond money and he does feel bad that she had to go back, but not enough to actually send her money. She tells him she's done things she's not proud of, but really right now she has nothing. Sean says he's taking his power back and tells her it's not going to happen. Destiny blames him for where she's at as Sean hangs up on her. Sean says he wants to move forward, which is to the next inmate, Sarah. Sarah calls immediately after Destiny, and he finds out that Sarah's getting released soon. Sean says that he met Sarah and Destiny on the same website at the same time. Sean says, no, 
No, he loves Sarah. Not like he loved Destiny. And he especially likes the part where she says she wants to have sex with him when she gets released. We find out Destiny is set to be released in five months, and she is still married to Jason while Sean is waiting to meet Sarah. All right. I would ask you the question realistically, but I already know the answer. Is Sean really that dumb? Uh, do you think he was really still in love with Sarah the whole time he was with Destiny? Because he claims like, oh, no, 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 Destiny wasn't my true love. Sarah was this whole time. I don't understand why he thinks that make him, makes him look better or <laughs> look good at all. So, yeah. Both? You're a lot of I mean, dumb shit if you were in love with Destiny. Real, yeah, if you're in love with somebody else and you still did all this dumb stuff for Destiny, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm like I'm abandon confused. your kids and really uh, ruin oh that God. relationship. Yeah, yeah, for someone you don't even really love. And sunk all that money into it and put your stupid fifty thousand dollars that we're finally done yeah. of hearing about on the line. Like, it right, doesn't, right. The behavior does not match. I'm, but I was actually in love with somebody else that whole time. No, no, you weren't. Yeah, this stupid. is, this is, this is, this is pick number two. <laughs> pick number one didn't work out. You went to pick number two. And oh, okay. The one thing I will say in his defense is maybe he didn't really have them ranked or maybe he did. Maybe he did think Sarah ranked a little higher than destiny, but he is also a man of convenience. Who's getting released oh, first? Totally. Oh, Destiny? Okay, so she's my number one now. Yeah, totally. Um, that makes sense. That makes sense. He is stupid and lazy. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yes. now, okay, so the question I have then is, you know, we heard all this stuff about, about Destiny, you know, oh, you're talking to Kelly, you're talking to Kelly. Can't, was he talking to Sarah that whole time too? The whole time he was together with Destiny? So Well, yeah, I feel like he would have to be because, you know, if he's trying to, you know, nurture all of his options at one point, you know, and like you even see it like with Michael always trying to cultivate all of his options, make sure he doesn't like lose anyone. Uh, it's like you you do. You have to do some amount of maintenance with everyone else, otherwise they're gonna lose interest because they think you've lost interest. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's just all changes. So I also then wonder if he's continuing to talk to this Sarah girl, just to like keep her on the hook. That's basically all he's doing, right? That's like literally yeah. what he's doing. Um, is did Sarah know he was like living and engaged to somebody else? Well, yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely not. So like, I don't know. So like, I mean, he he is a lot. I don't think. Huh. I don't think at this point, though, I mean, as shitty as a person as he clearly is, um, I don't think he owes Destiny anything anymore. And she, like, it really bothers me the way she keeps acting like he does. But yeah, I don't no, know. I don't think he does. Yeah. Like, it's done. That one's done. You that To me, they like, y'all tried to use each other. It didn't work. Right. And you went your separate ways. We're done now. Yeah. That, that relationship Plus, it doesn't even make sense to me, her whole reasoning why... Sean should still give her money. She's like, oh, well, I'm only in this position because of you. You forced me to be dependent on you. I'm like, mm, like no, I didn't. don't think he would have fought you if you wanted to get a job. <laughs> you yeah, wanted to make right. some side money. I don't think Sean is going to be like upset about that. You know, he wasn't like, no, my woman must stay at home and like cook and clean because she wasn't doing that either. You know, so I don't I don't really understand her logic behind 
oh, well, the only reason why I'm dependent on you is because you made it that way. Yeah, and the, well, and that's that's the thing. Is her, basically her reasoning is, well, of course you were giving me money. I wasn't gonna get a job if you were giving me money. So as long as you were giving me money, you were making me dependent on you. And now that I, I need, I, now that you're gone, I still need that money that you were giving me. And so it, it's like a weird circular thing. But Destiny's logic always comes back to people should give me money for free, and if they yeah, don't, they're just wrong. Because. Like right. I should get free money all the time. And like with the government, what? Money, yeah, um, you can't she, just write she, checks. Me, People do the government does it all the time. Why can't I do it? Oh yeah, ah, they just write checks. <laughs> the government also prints their own money, and you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh yeah, destiny logic. Yeah, that, that, that's what I'm saying. The destiny logic is always like I get what I wanted, and that's all that matters. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's go on to my last couple is Amber and Puppy. So as Amber is leaving work, she gets a phone call from Puppy's supervisor that she never showed up at the place she was supposed to clean. Queen says that Puppy was at the last place. They, they, they clean Airbnbs, so they were going between a few Airbnbs. The last one they were at, she was at it acting weird and apparently never made it to the next house on the itinerary. Amber's extremely frustrated because she's not interested in taking care of someone that isn't going to be taking care of themselves. And this job was one way to prove that to her. So Queen gives Amber the address of the, of the house and she pulls in and searches the house where the camera focuses on empty bottles and then she comes outside and starts yelling at puppy, literally puppy's name at the pool. And then we see what's going on. Puppy is swimming in the pool. And by swimming, I mean like floating there clearly on some kind of substance. Yeah, Amber scary. says that she's Amber says you're floating there naked, which confused me because she clearly had a bra and panties on in the picture. Yeah, anyway, she did. Amber is scared and mad, and Puppy is um, drinking in the interview. Like they it, take him aside to interview her, and she's still sipping whiskey. <laughs> when God. she's all like missing an eyelash, <laughs> yeah, missing an eyelash too. Later, Amber gives her the fourth degree about how about about whatever is whatever it is puppy is not is doing right now it's this is not the time to chill it's the time to work hard and get your life together which puppy which and but all it seems puppy wants to do is the chilling so puppy's response to all this like lecture is i love you which just makes amber more angry amber says she's going to change her parole address and move on before getting in the car and pulling away then puppy says she'll quit drinking but then takes two giant-ass swigs right out of the bottle that she throws onto the ground within like 10 seconds of saying she's going to quit drinking. Then Puppy sits on the porch of Airbnb with her bottle of liquor, feeling bad for herself as Amber drives away. A few weeks le- It's a few weeks later now, and Amber and Puppy haven't spoken since. Uh, and Pup- Amber is meeting Sammy on this windy-ass bridge. She has her own place now in order to stay out of everyone else's drama. Back at Kathy's, Puppy is brokenhearted since she feels like Amber left her and now she's all on her own. Kathy brings up the Vince situation and that's still kind of up in the air with the adoption. Puppy then brings up that she's seen on social media that Amber is back with Sammy. Kathy said she had her suspicions about that. Then back at the bridge with Amber and Sammy, uh, um, she's checking in about his commitment to the straight and narrow because she doesn't want to be in another situation like Puppy's. Sammy seems really super into Amber, calling her his heir. Uh, And it seems like this relationship is the one she's going to be in moving forward. She thinks that she and Puppy will be friends again later in life, but right now they're just in different places. 
Back at Caffey's, Puppy misses the relationship she and Amber had in prison and even goes too far to say she might have been codependent. It's hard enough getting out of prison, but it's harder still to have to get out of prison and deal with this weird breakup situation. Puppy thinks that Amber and Sammy won't last and hopes that her wifey will come back someday. So then after all that, we have to hear about Sammy's foot fetish. Uh, Amber says that it's his favorite part of her body and he wants to he wants her to do all sorts of things with them and then Sammy says that she could basically control him with them so very weird it was very weird i don't <laughs> get it i never under i never quite got foot fetishes i'm much more interested in other parts of people's bodies but anyway um like so i don't know what do you think how long do you think do you think the amber and sammy do you think that's going to last yeah, I think it's going to last. Uh, I feel like Sammy may have like a very unhealthy view of Amber, but, yeah. you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, the people who are addicts, how they just have to be obsessed with something. So, I mean, maybe it's good for him, but it seems like it is kind of borderline unhealthy how obsessed he is with her because if things don't work out... I just feel like that that's like a life changer, a life ruiner, you know? Right. And I don't think like any any one person should have that importance in your life where, you know, your life is going to go off the rails. Right. And know? it also gives it, it, basically it also, is an addiction. And it's not fair to that person. It's really no. not fair to that person to, to give them the feeling that like, oh, well, if you break up with me, I'm just going to turn back to drugs and be an addict. Like, oh, man, like, yeah. I'm clean now, but you are the only thing keeping me clean. It's like, that's that's too much. Like, that's putting yeah. way too much on somebody else, and it's just not fair to them. But, like, I mean, you can see kind of, like, I feel like Sammy gave her what she was looking for, or at least yes. so far, what she was looking for from Puppy, right? Right, right. But I don't even think I, – I still don't – I'm still not convinced she could have – she could have ever been what Puppy wanted her to be. Yeah. I mean the thing with Puppy and it just – it makes me so, so sad is that she just cannot see outside of what she's doing right now. She can't yes. see how her actions have made Amber – kind of turn away from her you know yeah. i feel like just even their relationship let's say that sammy was in the picture still and that uh amber did still want to romantically be involved with sammy she would still be friends with puppy if puppy wasn't you know in danger of you know dragging amber down with her you know amber wants to stay uh you know out outside of prison um, yeah. She wants to live a certain kind of life, the straight and narrow, as she says. And I feel like Puppy, you know, she worries about Puppy because she cares about Puppy. And Puppy just doesn't care about herself. And so it's got to be incredibly frustrating as a friend to watch your friend be, like, self-destructive. I mean, I mean, yes, and even for more selfish reasons, it's really, really hard yeah. to have a friend whose boss calls you and says, hey, she didn't yeah. come to work. Like, oh my God, how am I dealing with that? I'm a grown person. Like, my my life is hard enough to keep together. I can't right. keep you at work. Now I'm missing my job. Like, I totally get that. Like, you can't be that for somebody else. You really can't uh, sustainably mm -hmm. be that for somebody else. 
Yeah, I think it would have been more powerful to have Amber and Kathy confront Puppy about her drinking. You know, because then, because I think in some ways, Puppy thought that Amber just wasn't interested in her anymore. You know, and that it was something fundamentally about Puppy that she just didn't like. And so I think that's why she didn't really take it very seriously. She was like, you're always so mad at me. You're always yelling at me. You know, and she it doesn't like equate it to, uh, you know, like right. her actions. She equates it to like, oh, well, this is how she feels about me. She's yelling at me because she doesn't like me. Yeah. And it's you also, know, so it, I, yeah, that's true. That's fair. Like she's just trying, she's trying to push me away. And so- what does it matter what I do? What does it matter how I act? Like whatever. Yeah. She's just gonna not like me. It's a it's a yeah, the thing, it's not that it's nothing personal, but it's like I'm, you know, it's the things that you're doing that are making me mad. And I I, I care about you enough that I want you to get better. And that's right. why I'm yelling, that's why I'm talking to you. Yeah. So I think it would have been helpful if Kathy and Amber both kind of had a sit down with Puppy and talked about their concerns and really focused on, you know, that it was the drinking and it wasn't her. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. Um, the last thing I wanted to say was uh, Sammy, like since the first time we saw him, he's looking kind of rough. I feel like he aged five years. I Okay, so I thought Sammy from the get-go, like uh-huh. there was like, I felt like there was, like I felt like his face looked older than his body, if that makes sense. Like, well, I'm, yeah, yeah. But I felt like he aged another five years from the time that we <laughs> from saw the time him. he got out of prison. Well, I mean, the he other never thing too looked is, young. I'm not trying to say that, but don't don't a lot of guys? Isn't it kind of like a, a the um a scenario? We we've we think we've talked about that. Most guys, in terms of their physicality, muscular, in shapeness, are never going to mm-hmm. be as in shape as they are when they get like immediately when they get out of prison. Oh yeah, that's true. Right, because you're in prison. It's like, no, I was there, talking about this time. guy's face. I wasn't talking about this guy's body. Well, at I just all. wonder, like, I just wonder, I wonder how much, you know. But your face looks as you gain weight and lose weight and lose muscle tone. Like it, your face changes too. I just think he needs to trim up his beard, his 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 whatever stubble he's got going on a little bit. He he could probably be all right. <laughs> Need some face, some, maybe maybe some daily moisturizer could help out. Yeah, yeah. always the moisturizer, right? <laughs> Okay, uh, let's talk uh, John and Christiana. So Christiana is waiting in the park to meet with her sister, Tara. She really wants to get to the bottom of what went on with Tara and John. Tara gets dropped off and they both hug and say how much they've missed each other. Tara points out that Christiana has gained some weight. And she also shared that while she's not high right at this moment, she really can't say that she hasn't relapsed. Christiana jumps right in, tells Tara that her mom brought up accusations about John and Tara. Christiana cries and said she was jealous that Tara was there acting like a partner when she couldn't be. Tara admits to flirting with John, and Christiana says John had denied it. Tara says, well, there was. What do you expect? Christiana is upset and feels like she can't trust her husband. She tells Tara she has doubts that maybe she doesn't belong with him. Tara then says, yeah, you're right. And shit happens. Her lack of sympathy angers Christiana as she starts yelling at Tara and asks if she slept with John. Tara admits that she tried to kiss him as Christiana makes a half-assed attempt at trying to slap her across the face. Christiana said she would never do that to her. And Tara says, yeah, you did. Because Christiana slept with her boyfriend slash baby daddy while they were both sleeping on the floor and Tara was in the bed right next to them. Christiana thinks that that doesn't count because they weren't married. 
Tara tells Christiana that John is shady and he just can't be trusted. Tara thinks he's trying to keep them apart. And she tells Christiana that she can find out for herself about John and then just report back to Tara. Christiana worries about what her life would look like without John because she really has nothing. The next day, Christiana gets out of bed wondering how she's going to get over the betrayal. She goes outside to talk to John. He picks up something, picks up that something seems wrong and Christiana gives him a chance to come clean. He doesn't take the bait and she tells him that Tara said they were flirting and now she doesn't believe anything John says. John understands the mistrust since he reminds us again that he has never been faithful to anyone, oh, except Christiana. John is honest and says uh, things maybe went too far. Christiana focuses on the fact that he lied to her about the flirting. John says that he made a mistake, but in the end, he didn't act on it because he's in love with her. He says he messed up, but he says from now on, he'll be an open book. Christiana says he'll get one chance, and he says, good, that's all he needs. Christiana says she loves him a lot because he's a care provider and he's stable. We find out that they're still married and they're both not talking to Tara. All right. Do you think that John will be able to remain faithful? Is this his last marriage? No, just because just based on history, right? There's no way you go, you cheat on every single partner you've ever had and then just Mm -hmm. be like, and then this last one. Nope. No cheating at all. I mean, I guess eventually. Well, you you know what they say. It only takes one, right? It does take one, but they also say once a cheater, always a cheater. But like, I don't, I don't know. I I just don't, I don't, I don't believe that totally, but I believe if it's a established pattern and we're placing bets, I know which side Mm. I'm placing my bet on. Yeah. So I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm saying it's more likely than not, he will not remain faithful. I have uh, some skepticism, and I'm not saying that, but I don't think it's completely outside of the realm of possibility. I do think that they're, uh, you know, a good couple together. Um, and I don't know, there's just something about him that just seems like maybe he settled more into his age and his role as a dad and maybe he's just settled down altogether. Well, that's true too. I mean, as he, he's getting also as he's getting a little older, he probably is a little yeah. bit less uh, you know, options. No, uh, options and a little bit of a less less of a libido, you know, like things are things mm-hmm. are cooling down a little bit. But yeah. like I mean, I don't I don't know. I kind of wish we had more details as to why Tara and the mom think seem to think John is so sketchy. Like he's a shady yeah. guy. He's doing some shady things, but then they never, we never get any details about that. We just kind of get vague. I think he's shady. I think they're concerned about the money, so mm-hmm. they were just like, "This guy barely works. How does he have so much money? You know, to all of a sudden buy these things kind of randomly." And uh, you know, those they had all those like uh, life after lockup behind the scenes kind of things that played right after. And I think a couple episodes ago, John was on one, and I had it in the background, so I wasn't paying too much attention. But he was talking about his Freddy Krueger collection. Remember how I picked up on that, like the first season that they were on, and I was uh-huh. like, "What's with all the Friday the Thirteenth memorabilia in the background?" That's like he had that Street, movie okay. poster, and then he had like the <laughs> aquarium filled with like the figurines and stuff and he said that um he actually uh collects those things and he said that they're worth a lot 
So he was kind of talking about a couple of things in his collection, and he was talking about how unique they were because he somehow got a hold of something where literally there was only three in the world or something, and he had got it from someone who was like production related or something like uh-huh. that. So these thing, these memorabilia things were worth a lot. So I mean, like, it's I wouldn't say it's completely unheard of. Maybe he started selling off pieces of his collection. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and if you look at Tara and the mom and they're looking at John and they're like, you're not working anymore. Where did this random money come from? You know, but maybe they don't know right. the value of some of the things that he had lying around his house. I mean, sure. that's a possible explanation. Oh, for I, I could I could definitely see that. I could definitely see that. Like, especially if he was if he was directly selling things off, put things on eBay and things like mm-hmm. that. They're just like, whatever that stupid, weird movie junkie had. Like, it doesn't... Yeah. There's definitely... Right. There, I know you definitely always hear that all the time of, like, people whose houses got robbed. And it's just like, they had something random and weird that was worth a ton of money. And the yeah. thieves didn't even think to take it. Because they were like, whatever. It's a freaking Jason mask. I'm not going to take yeah. that. Like You just have a bunch of toys in an aquarium <laughs> in back an aquarium, here. Yeah. <laughs> like, what exactly. is this? <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. It, it maybe he is doing something shady. I'm not saying he's not, but I'm just saying there's also other explanations that maybe they're not considering. They're just jumping to the conclusion that oh, John was arrested for fraud in the past. He's probably fraud now. Yeah, and it, it's definitely a matter of like I, I, you know, was it just the money that made them say like I think he's shady, or if they're like yeah. shady? Well, okay. To be fair, if he was selling his movie memorabilia, he might be sh- he might be selling it to other weird dudes. So they're like, yeah. he always has these weird dudes around the house. I don't know what he's doing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they all think it's like drug deals or something. You're yes. Like, no, the guy just like wanted yeah. this. The guy wanted that, that Freddy figurine. glove really big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We haven't established if it was Freddy or Jason, but one of the two. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I'm not really into like that kind of thing, so I have no idea what the name. No, I didn't pay close enough attention reason. to see it. I could tell the difference yeah. maybe if I did, but I didn't even do that. So nah, I, I wouldn't be able. I'm to. not my thing either. All right. All right. So yeah, we're done. So uh, yeah. because we're finished with this season, at least uh, we have power rankings. Yes, power rankings. Which, as always, we start with number one. Number one is the people we like the best. Yes. The best people in this in the episode. Sometimes the, it's inexplicable why, but we'll we'll try our best to explain. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. And then and the, so the last ones are the people we hate the most from the season. Yeah. So we work it our way mm-hmm. down to the bottom. Yeah. All right. So in that the, then, who was your number one? Uh, my number one is Brittany. I mean, she's not selfish. She's always thinking of others. She's trying to care for others and, you know, maybe it's the detriment to her own personal relationships, but it's very clear her heart is always in the right place. Yeah. I also have Brittany one. Yeah. She's just, she, she, she is the one that is, yeah, she's not, yeah, all the stuff, not selfish, trying to do the, trying to do what's right. Even if, you know, it's not always the best, but it, 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 she, her heart's in the right place. You're right. Yeah. All right. What about your number two? I'm with Shane. Um, okay. Um, we're getting really close to, you know, at some point we kind of go to this middle section where it's like, um, I couldn't think of anything ridiculously objectionable he did, but I feel <laughs> right. like, I mean, he's, he's, he, he's not the smartest guy, but it seems like he's trying really hard to be a good dad. 
He was as supportive as he could be with Lacey. And remember, she she, she lost the two of the babies that she was originally pregnant with. I thought he dealt with that. The only thing he didn't deal with so great was when he found out she was talking, like not even she was talking, that John texted her. He got, right. got some jealousy there. But I just think, I mean, he wasn't in it a ton the whole season, but I just feel like he was, yeah. you know, making strides and doing the best he could. Yeah. I feel like towards the top of my list, and actually it'll be past my number two, uh, I feel like, yeah, it's kind of where Shane kind of falls in. They didn't do anything terrible, and so it's kind of like, yeah, did I like you or not? Would I, would I want to chill with you? Uh, my number two is actually Amber. So Amber, I think, is one of the few, you know, previous convicts that really is really trying to do better for her life and she's not dependent on other people because I think that's the other thing is I feel like some of these convicts you know or previous convicts are they are trying to do better for their life but maybe not doing everything they can to be independent okay yeah yeah Yeah, I see that a lot of a lot of them kind of put themselves in into like a situation where they need the other person to to pull yeah. them through. Um, yeah, because they just don't know how. And I get that. I mean, a- everyone has said how difficult it is to get your life started once you're out and to not have that help. And I feel like Amber, she she didn't really have that help. And mm-hmm. I feel like she, she did a pretty good job. I mean, by the end of the season, she's out living by herself. That's true. That's true. So, yeah, I had... Some more qualms of that. So Amber's lower on my list. So mm-hmm. my, number three, my number three was Christiana. Okay. Just again, that's somebody who just seems like they're trying to do good, seems like they're trying to do better, is in a tough situation. Now, she's one of the people that is like that. Like we said, not like Amber. She's not making it on her own. Now, maybe you can't make it on your own just yet, right? But she is definitely in a situation for herself and has herself in a situation where she kind of needs John right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that that's, and, and you know, she literally just did get out. She hasn't had time to get a job or anything like that either. So, but yeah, I mean, she just, just seems like she's just, she's making strides, trying to do the right thing. So number mm-hmm. three. Yeah. My number three is Lamar. And so the reason why Lamar is kind of high up on my list is, like, primarily because he has to deal with Andrea, who, by the way, is very further much down on my list. But, I mean, he just has so much patience. He's just so chill. He just wants, like, everyone to love one another, you know? Like, yeah, just love all around. So, yeah, Lamar, he's my number three. All right. So moving to number four. My number four is Marcelino. Okay. Um, we, we, we like Brittany and Marcelino as a couple. They seem to be the, the couple yeah. that is the most mm-hmm. on the same wavelength, seem to actually legitimately deeply care about each other. Um, and so this was no exception. He was doing some things that he didn't necessarily agree with, but was right. supporting anyway. I mean, he didn't do it without yeah. complaint, which is why he moves down a little bit <laughs> <Yeah>. on the <laughs> list. <laughs> no, I agree. Still, I agree. But he still did it anyway. So Marcelino is my number four. Yeah. So Marcelino was actually my number five for all those same reasons. And the person I put above him was actually John. Con John, because I know we have a couple Johns. Okay. Um, I ranked John pretty high because I had a lot of like empathy for him. For someone who really 
knows what they should be doing in life, but is really struggling, right? Mm, And really just, you know, he knows that Lacey is toxic for him, you know? And he knows that he needs to stay off of drugs. And we saw him struggling with both in this season. And I would say at the end of the season, it was pretty successful as far as we know. Sure. I mean, obviously addiction is going to be an ongoing battle, but I think he was making the right decisions this season. And I really appreciated that he was being really dependent on his friend whose name escapes me, but like that, a guy that he's living with that. There was Joe and there was, what's the other guy's name? The guy, the guy with, with the, the dreadlocks. Hair. Yeah. Yeah. I forget his name. That guy was great, you know, yeah. like coming up yeah. with the ice cream fix and, right. you yeah. know, stuff like that where, I mean, John's just really trying hard and yeah. he's got so many more challenges than a lot of the people. So yeah, he's not perfect, but I mean, and maybe, you know, this is why Lamar also ranks above John too, is it's like, I feel like the people that are meeting or dealing with the challenges that are having the hardest time right? And actively doing it. It's like, I feel like they're doing more than the people who really just don't do anything, but nothing bad is happening to them either. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Sure. So yeah, I had, I had Kanjan at number, well, we, we talked about both of mine. So I had Kanjan at number six for most, most Mm. of the same reasons. Um, and then, but I had Lamar above him at number five. So Lamar was my number five. And honestly, it was because like, I feel like he got one big storyline and, you know, it was doing the right thing, but the wrong way, right? Is bringing Shantae back into the family, introducing oh. Shantae to Priscilla. And it's just like, if he was a little, if he was more honest about the way he handled that, which I understand, yes, he's dealing with Andrea and she explodes at everything. Then he would have been higher up on my list. So I had number, him at number five and then Kanjan at number six. So how far have we got? How far have we got on your list? We have your first six yet? Uh, I am on number six, uh, Shane. So okay. once again, Shane didn't really have huge challenges. Uh, he didn't do anything super terrible. He didn't do anything super great. I mean, he was just kind of there. Um, as much as, you know, he didn't react the best way uh, with John being released and him kind of freaking out about it. I mean, on the other end of that, he was supportive of Lacey during, you know, some tough points in their pregnancy. So, I mean, that all kind of balanced out. So, makes sense why Shane is kind of in the upper middle. Upper middle. Yeah, that's about, that's yeah. about where we are, right? We're about one th- a third of the way down the list. So, yeah, um, yeah. I feel like we're just keeping it in-house. My number seven is Lacey. Okay. Just, and this is where we're definitely getting into, I can't think of anything particularly objectionable she did. At least not this season. This season. This yeah. season. I'm, we're, this yes, is at least con- not this, this is self-contained within this season. Yes. Sure. Um, is she? She definitely, you know, kind of, you know, did, you know, kept John at arm's length. She didn't lead him on at all, right? No matter how much he was doing that. But you know, she. But then she didn't have much to do. She was pretty much just pregnant the whole time. I was like, I am yeah. pregnant, and like so there wasn't. It was kind of that neutral zone. We're getting into that neutral zone right here. Yeah. Well, I would say that uh, I did not necessarily contain it to just this season because with me, grudges die hard. So Uh Lacey's Uh a little bit lower down on my list. Um, But we're on number seven. And so my number seven is Christiana. Okay. So Christiana, once again, meeting some challenges, 
Um, I would say the reason why Christiane is a little bit lower on my list is just because of her confrontation with Tara. Like, what was that fake ass slap? And then, like, being confused, like, I never did anything to you. And it's like, uh, hello, you slept with her baby daddy. Oh, it doesn't count. In the same room. Oh, my God. (laughs) She was in the room. (laughs) So I was like, come on. So, yeah, Christiane, a little bit further down just because of that. All right. So, number eight, that number eight is where I have Amber. And you're not wrong in that she did a lot of the, you know, she's taking care of herself. She's doing well for herself. She led puppy on. And she let, mm. she, she, um, the, the, the whole situation, she let puppy think she was getting into a situation that she was not getting into. And then, mm-hmm. you know, even when it was clear that that's what was kind of going on, she slept with her. Like, and so yeah. I, and so I, I knocked her down a lot for, for that. Yeah. I mean, the way I kind of interpreted it, was that Amber really was open to there being something with Puppy. And then I think that's why she slept with her. Because that was like on her second night, you know, that Puppy was out. I don't think she was ruling it out. I don't necessarily think she was sold on it either. I think she was just trying to figure it all out. And, you know, I... I think the reason why she was still, like, not really sold on it was because of Sammy. But then also, you know, she wanted to see how Puppy was going to be because, you know, basically her biggest fears kind of came true. Yeah, but I feel like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like she did not, for somebody who supposedly knows Puppy so well, she did mm-hmm. not manage Puppy's, like, emotions or feelings well at all. No, like, that, she, that is very true. She just she was she very dismissive of everything Puppy was feeling from the first step. Like when Puppy said she mm-hmm. was like, "Oh, what are you doing? That's just we don't even talk about that. Oh, get out of here!" Like it, yeah. and so it, 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 I didn't like, I didn't like it, so I, I ranked her lower. Sure, and I actually had Puppy as my number eight. Okay, um, I felt really bad for her. Um, she is dealing with a lot. She's dealing with rejection over someone that she pretty much wanted to marry. Mm-hmm. You know, and her mom's really sick. Um, so I did have a lot of empathy for her situation. But at the same time, it's the lack of self-awareness that you are in self-destruction mode. And you're letting, like, your feelings really drag down your life and your recovery and your integration of being a, you know, a contributing member of society. And it's just, I, I don't... I had a tough time, like, not understanding why she couldn't see why Amber was frustrated with her actions and behaviors. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I my I have Puppy pretty close here. Like, um, she's a couple mm-hmm. spots down from here. But, yeah, lots of the same things. I mean, at the end of the day, Puppy is responsible for her own, yeah. like, well-being and her own welfare. Right? And, and, and she right. was – she is another one that kind of put herself at the mercy of I will – I will – be good and get straight and narrow if Amber chooses to take me and chooses to like yeah. do it. And so that that that's why she's lower, but again, a couple a couple spots lower for me. All right. All who right. is your number nine? My that number was nine your- was Lacey. Okay. So Lacey, you know, you're right. She didn't do anything super objectionable on this season, but man, that montage with uh, John at the end, <laughs> I was like, oh, Lacey's a terrible person. <laughs> I totally forgot how awful she is. <laughs> yeah. 
That Fair. was fresh in my mind doing these power rankings. What about you doing it was the last thing. My number nine, and yeah. I will have to caveat that because this is really grading on a curve, I think, is mm. Andrea. Okay. Um, She's not that far off for me. Because, yeah, it, it, I mean, okay. The, and, and the thing is, is you have to get off the last one. In the last one, she was pretty bad, right? Yeah. The last episode yelling at the person. And she was kind of bad. At the beginning, when she first found out about Shantae. But I feel like mm. her dealing with, meeting with Shantae is the best behavior we have ever seen Andrea on. Yeah. And so in terms of as I was like grading on a curve, it was like, wow, she actually was had a, a, a major storyline in this thing where she wasn't a total psycho. So good yeah. for you, Andrea. <laughs> All right. What about your number 10? That would be but the middle of the list. That, that's where I put Puppy. Okay. Right there at number 10. And we kind of already talked about her. So who's your number 10? Uh, my number 10 is John of John and Christiana. Okay. So he is one of those people where he, you know, is going to let it go as far as he possibly can so he can't say, you know, like, oh, well, I didn't do anything, right? And so, like, technically, he yeah. didn't do anything wrong, you know? But it's like, mm. But you kind of have to read between the lines of intent and things like that. So, I mean, the only thing that he could probably fess up to is, oh, I lied to her, right? But it's kind of like, yeah, but all the other stuff. So it's like you're getting a little bit farther down because of that. But then at the same time, Let's think about all he's doing for this family. Right, you know, like yeah. The fact that he took in her family when she wasn't even there. Mm -hmm. like that's, you know, that's pretty generous of him. Yeah, I mean, so oh, yeah. I had, I had, I called him eight kids, John. Um, I had him at mm -hmm. number 11, like right next. Okay. And yeah, same kind of thing. It's like, so it's like. In order to cheat, like cheating is like a two-step process, right? It's sure. you must avail yourself the opportunity to be able to cheat if you want to, and then you uh -huh. have to go ahead and do it, right? Sure. And as somebody who has cheated so often as as he has, he probably should just stop it before number one, <laughs> but at least right. he stopped it before step two this time. But the fact <laughs> is he was flirting with her sister, like you're and almost made yeah. out with her, like you're getting moved down for that. Yeah, that's not good. All right, so my uh, number 11 was Andrea. Um, I think the thing for me that uh, just the worst part about Andrea, it isn't even the yelling. Like, even though that's annoying, I mean, but like how many of these people yell? I mean, I think the second half of our list are all yellers. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, but I think the thing that really frustrates me about Andrea is the fear she has instilled in all of the family. Like uh -huh. they fear doing anything lest they make her angry or unhappy. And I just feel like that is so emotionally exhausting. Who wants that person in their family? Who wants to deal with that? Yeah. I mean, oh, oh, totally, totally. And like, yeah. but I, I feel like, and that's why I went here a little, a little higher this time because I feel like she's, finally starting to understand that that like why did you lie to me it's know. like because you're unhinged and i have no idea what you would do when you found out <laughs> i mean like, <laughs> the, the kids the way they were running around the birthday party it's like they shouldn't yeah. have that kind of stress those kids are like they're still kids 
I mean, right, 16 fair. and 18, but it's like, that's so unfair to put that, the success of your mom's birthday party on the kids. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Especially because, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm over, that's already like a little bridezilla-ish already. Like, your things yeah. can go wrong with your party and it can still be fun. Just chill. Just right. chill. It's and plus, fun. why are you going to put that party. on your kids? Yeah. Oh I, I don't understand why you put it on kids, anybody. Not worry about you making happy. Yeah. All right, so I All think right. we're I think we covered the same people, so I think we have the same bottom of the pack. Yeah, as just is in normal. a very different order. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, number twelve, um, mm-hmm. my number twelve is Sarah. Okay, not too um, far. So yeah, I mean we're we're Sarah. We're here in the middle. Just terrible choices, terrible terrible mm-hmm. choices. Letting Michael back in, you know. But yep. I mean I don't know, but leaving Malcolm off the hook. It's just that I, I can't defend anything she did all season. I mean, it, no. but everybody else was worse. <laughs> is what okay, I down so <laughs> that's kind of funny that you should say that. So Sarah is actually my number, I guess, 14. But you know who I ranked above Sarah? This might be surprising. Is I actually ranked Michael above Sarah. And the reason why I ranked Michael above Sarah is because Michael is Michael. Like, he has not changed in any of these seasons. He is the same terrible person, but we know what terrible we're going to get. There is nothing new. There is nothing he did that shocked, surprised me at all. And it's like, eh, okay, so you're terrible. But Sarah, you keep falling for it. You keep on, like, making the same dumb mistake over and over again. And now you dragged other people into it. You dragged Malcolm into it. That was not fair to him. So I say Michael above Sarah in this season. So I have Michael next at 13. Mm -hmm. So Sarah's 12, Michael's 13. And I think I switched it when the title card came up. (laughs) I think that just moved it down. Like, because it was one thing if you're right, he's Michael. He's going to leave. He's going to find another girl. He didn't have to propose, mm. re-propose to her and like commit to doing this all over again. And then- Nothing surprises me at all. And then it surprises me that he- Wanted that he he faked the commitment before he leave he before he left and didn't just mm-hmm. nope out. That's the part that that's yeah. the part that that surprised me. Not the part that he laughed, the part that he gave her the ring again first. That doesn't surprise me because he wants to make her think that he is committed so she doesn't run off with some other dude. But I don't. I I guess I guess I'm just like I I kind of was like I'm gonna hang around. I'm gonna kind of I see. I always thought of Michael as more of for the whole time a one foot in the door kind of guy right mm. the surprising part to me was that he put two feet in the door and like yeah. then 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 just bolted all all together but like i kind of yeah. thought it was like oh, i'm gonna be kind of around and not make a huge commitment but enough to keep you on the hook uh, and then and then bolt and then come back and then bolt but that's where it goes yeah so those were those all are right all right so we're down to well, I'm on my 14. 15. What was your 13? No. Uh, yeah, 13 with Sarah. 13 with Sarah. Okay, so now you're yeah. 14. Yes. All right. So, so my 14, did you do 13 already? I did my, my 13 was Michael. So we had Sarah okay. and Michael in the wrong order. Okay. Okay, so number 14 I had was Quaylen. Mine too. So yep. Quaylen, you know, he's idiot, Cheated, like, at least emotionally, at least as far as we know. Um, 
And, you know, honestly, even something like that is almost, to me, I hate to say it, somewhat forgivable. What I think was just makes him so dumb is, like, you're going to go from there to let's get married to I was really unhappy the whole time. It's like, wow, you're, I don't know, you're either, like, really not in touch with your feelings or you're yes. a huge idiot. Yeah, I, I was the same way. I was like, what did you want, man? Like, I don't understand. I, did, I didn't understand going to Branson altogether and be like, this girl I broke up no. with, I decided I must have her and commit to marriage. And then like two days later, be like, I was never happy with you. It's like, then why did you come yeah. back and get on the Ferris wheel? I don't understand. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. All right. All right so what about your number 16? Fifth, I have 15. Did I 15, number them wrong? 15, okay, yeah. 15. I didn't number them, so that's why I keep messing up. Oh, okay, 15. My number 15 is Destiny, right? Okay. A- and it's be- similar to your Michael logic. Destiny is Destiny. She's going to yeah. ask for money. She's going to be entitled, feel entitled. She's going to feel like she was wronged. But like, she didn't, I mean, she did lie about this guy she was seeing, I guess. But like, you know, she left a situation she wasn't happy with. She stayed with her sister. She went to court. Like, it wasn't anything that was, like, you know, bad that she's, you know, the way she is. But, you know, she is what she is. And that's kind of where, where she falls. I feel like everybody else was, like, uh, lower. Yeah. That makes sense. So I would say that my number 15 was Lindsay. I, I almost, like, forgot she existed. Uh-huh. Um, you know, like... Uh, she did go off the rails. She did get really crazy. But at the end of the day, like, what did she really do to hurt other people? Oh, I have an answer to that because she's way lower oh, on my do? list. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's okay. way, we'll get to it when she, when she comes up on my list because she is down there. Okay. All right. That's good to know. So, yeah, to me, it was kind of like, you know, she thought she was running game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the end of the day, she kind of also got scammed. Yeah, she did. She Cause totally did. Because as we can see, Scott is definitely a lot lower on my list. Uh-huh. Well, so, I mean, Scott is not high on my list. We're already pretty much at the point where everybody's <laughs> low on our lists, right? <laughs> right, right. But then, okay, so then after Lindsay, I actually have Destiny. And same okay. as you're saying, Destiny is like, yeah, you kind of know what you're going to get with Destiny, but at the same time, it's like, there it's were other a good person. things. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was another person. Like, you had no idea. But the thing that I was just like, wow, she has some nerve is the fact that she's a married to someone else. She's clearly not with Sean, but she somehow feels like she's somehow owed money from Sean. It's like, yeah. what, what world? Definitely. Well, that isn't, even like in legal proceedings, don't you like lose your alimony when you get remarried to somebody? Oh Isn't that gosh, usually the way it yes. works? I mean, now they barely do my alimony anyway. No sense. I was like, wow, you really just, I don't know. Yeah. think the world owes you everything. She does. She really does. Yeah. All right. So down to, um, you said the destiny was your 16, right? So that after, after, yeah. okay. So, so what's my your 15, si- I think? You know, my 15 oh, was there. destiny. So my 16 after okay. destiny for me was Chevelle. Um. Mainly because the other three people I uh, – the, the last two have something in common that I'll talk to when I get there. Mm-hmm. And Chevelle also has this in common, but she's not quite as bad about it. Um, is But she – what she did make no sense ever at any point. Like she was nah. the one who felt entitled. She, she was the one who 
drove everything. We have to get married in 30 days. We have to do this now. I need this commitment. I hate this guy. Oh, he's back? I love this guy. We're getting married now. Let me mouth off to everybody you in my family. You don't know. You don't know my situation. We worked right. things out. Right. And it was funny. Didn't we say last week she's like writing a book about like how to date people in prison? Yeah. And literally in this episode, she's like, don't. If you want to date somebody in prison. Don't. Well, maybe that's what her book says. <laughs> Just says don't. <laughs> that's the entire book. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Chevelle was my number seventeen. Uh, yeah. Uh, just her attitude about everything, right? Like she was always right. Everything, you know, everybody was wrong. She was always right. How she was so disrespectful to everyone. I mean, I mm-hmm. said, you know, today how she's disrespectful to police. Quaylen's mom, her mom, yep. D Mark. She's disrespectful to everyone. She doesn't treat anyone well, you know? Nope. And it's just like, oh, my goodness, this lady, I just cannot with her. So, yeah, she's pretty far down. I'm. Yeah. yeah. I think totally. she's my uh, – oh, no, actually, I take it back. I was going to say, considering the last three I have were uh, well, all the, the non-convicts that should tell right. you something. Right. All right. So you have three – we both have three left. Is that what you're saying? Oh, no, I had Chevelle and I have two left. So you have Chevelle I think Chevelle is my left. 17. Okay, so who was your 16? Who was above Chevelle for you? Uh, Destiny was. Okay, okay. So yeah. then I'll say mine because then my 17, my 17 is Scott. Okay. Um, just, I mean, he's just a he's just a nasty dude. Like the way, as soon as things started to go sour, he was like, yeah, I knew she was going to end up back in prison eventually and I gave her a chance, but blah, 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 blah. Like he just was super snotty to her the whole time, right? And the fact that he did have all these weird things that he was like had in his desk or whatever, not just mm-hmm. not a good dude. And we think we said that when Scott and Lindsay were done with each other and they left the show. We were like, yeah. they kind of deserved each other. Like they really did. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they definitely did. All right. So that was my 17. So we each have two left, right? Yes. Okay. So do you want to do yours first? Number 18. Okay. My 18 is Sean. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I think the biggest thing for me for Sean nine kids. Come on. Like, oh, he had six doing? kids. S- six. Other, okay. John had nine. He had six. Okay. Whatever. Still six, six kids. kids. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? And you know, six kids that you have ruined your relationship with, and then you're the idiot who cannot be told that you were being scammed, that you weren't some kind of trick. And then when it ends up, you finally, finally realize that you are, you're ready to jump right in and do it all over again. Like, idiot. Well, this guy never learned. Yeah. So Sean was my number, my second to last two, number 18. Yeah. Um, For the same reason. So I said my last two had something in common and it's kids. Mm-hmm. Okay, Sean has those kids who he completely ignored. And then the kid accurately got the things like, oh, as soon as she dumps you, you come back running to your kids. And no, he didn't even do that because he went run to another convict. He went run to another inmate like instead. So, no, the fact that he completely abandoned his kids wouldn't even answer for text messages. That's just bottom of the list for me. Right. And that's why Lindsay is number 19, because she has a kid, too, that she said she was really you know, missing and really wanted to be with. And no, some dude made her mad and she couldn't have, you know, she couldn't get together with her secret girlfriend and now she's going to go to jail for six years again oh, with God, this I kid around. The secret no. girlfriend. So, <laughs> so to me, when you ask me who did Lindsay hurt, it's that kid. And that's why I put Lindsay yeah. at the bottom of my list. 
Oh, yeah. And Miley Grace seems so sweet. I completely I know. forgot. Oh, God, they haven't been on for a while. I completely forgot about Tara <laughs> Right. Right. She threw a little, oh, she threw, she threw a temper tantrum so bad that she's back in jail for six yeah. years. Um, because yeah. she, and, 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 and ugh, ugh. after this kid that we, they pulled our heartstrings with about how much she misses and they saw each other through the door because it was COVID and stuff and she couldn't come over and like, mm-hmm. ugh, ugh. so she really, really disgusted yeah. me with that. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'm on your side there. Uh, I probably should have ranked her a little bit lower, <laughs> but you know, like I kind of forgot about them. I know. But that being said, the person that, at the very still, bottom though, of my yeah. list is Scott. I hate this guy. I hate the way he looks. I hate how creepy he is. I hate how, like, from the very beginning where he says, you know, like, oh, other, you know, 50-year-olds would, you know, be jealous that I'm sleeping with a hot 20-something. It's like, ew, 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 ew. You have lied to get this person in your life. And Mm -hmm. then it all kind of unraveled. And then you're sitting there like defending the entire time before it unraveled. Like, oh, she's not a scammer. Like, we really like have love for one another. She's really great. Everyone's just jealous of her. That's why she keeps on getting in trouble. It's like, how delusional are you? She's just so pretty that they keep arresting her out of jealousy. People are just jealous. (laughs) And, you know, they lash out at her. And that's why she's the one getting in trouble. Uh And how do you go from that to, okay, I'm going to lie my way to get her over here now she's here and things are falling apart oh i knew it was gonna be like this oh and just the condescending smug looks on his face uh-huh. every yeah. single time like something kind of came out it's just like i hate this guy i just want to punch him in the face every time he's on the screen yeah fair yep so he's the bottom all right yeah so we don't know when the show's coming back yeah they haven't we have... said anything about a nope. new season nope not at all so if yeah, you know when this so. when this channel goes down for a little while, so if a show comes back, when the show comes back, we'll be back. But until then, yep. please tune into our 90 Day Fiance channel. We'll be hitting some classic episodes soon. Yes, I'm excited for you to see that. I know, right? All right, sounds good. We'll see y'all soon. I hope. Yeah, soon. I hope. Okay, take okay. care, everybody. Bye. Okay, bye. Good.